Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature, not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another stabby snippet here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am joined with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hey! Hello, and today I am bringing you another creepy story here that's kind of true crime because there's stalking involved. We're going to be talking about The Watcher today, and I had done this on a live stream probably over a year ago now, and then I read some of the letters on TikTok, so you might have seen that, but I wanted to share it here on the podcast because we were getting this in our request folder submission thingy. I don't know what to really call it. Submission notifications. Yes. Because you can send those through our website. Just saying. Anyways, so let's get into this creepy story. So this is about a family who, like I said, they're stalking involved. They have a creepy stalker who's watching over their house, hence the name. So the watcher. Now, in 2014, Maria and Derek Broadus had purchased their dream home in Westfield, New Jersey for $1.3 million. A lot of money. It better be your fucking dream home at that price. (laughs) It was their dream home not only because it was gorgeous, but for a few other reasons. It was actually just minutes away from Maria's family home, and they had already lived in Westfield, but this was like the area to live in, basically. It was very sought after. The house was built in 1905 and was described as the, quote, grandest home on the block, end quote. Derek, growing up, wasn't rich or anything like that. He came from a normal working class family in Maine, and he actually had busted his ass to work hard 
forward and climb up the corporate ladder at an insurance company he worked for, and at this point, he was now the VP. The town itself was also pretty desirable to live in because his office was located in Manhattan, which was said to be about 45 minutes away, so they could have that comfortable suburban life while still keeping his job in the city. So, like, best of both worlds. And Westfield itself is a smaller town. The population was roughly 30,000 people, but it is listed as the 99th richest city in the United States and 18th in New Jersey and also the 30th safest town. Some interesting little stats with that. So, you know, definitely the perfect place for a family, which was what they needed because they did have three children who were five, eight, and 10 at the time. Now, they didn't move in right away after they bought it because they decided to do some interior renovations to the house first, but they went over pretty often to like check on things, work on things in the house, things like that. Well, one night in June of 2014, Derek was there late one night doing some painting and he's finished up around 10 p.m. and he was done for the night. So he decided to clean up and check the mail because they had updated their address and stuff. But he was like, he wasn't expecting anything. So he said it was honestly more out of habit because stuff was still going to their other place that they were staying. But this would be when he would find the first letter waiting for him. And it was in a white card-shaped envelope addressed in thick, clunky handwriting. And it read... Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? You have children. I've seen them. So far, I think that there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out the many windows. <laughs> Just was like, no, fuck you. <laughs> Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all of the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin, followed by a signature typed in a cursive font. The Watcher. Creepy. Mm-mm. I don't like him. <laughs> so obviously, this freaked Derek the fuck out, and he called the police. And when the responding officer got there, he let him read it. And this officer said, quote, what the fuck is this? As would I. <laughs> During the renovations, the Broadus family were actually staying at Maria's family's house there in Westfield because, like I said, they lived nearby. So he went back and told her what happened, and they immediately decided to email the previous owners mm-hmm. who they bought the house from because they had lived there from the mid-90s through when they sold it to them in 2014. And they wanted to know if, like, any of this had happened before to anybody or to them, I should say. And what prompted this, there was a section of the letter that read, I asked the Woods to 
bring me young blood, and it looks like they have listened. Don't like that. Mm-mm. And the following day, one of the previous owners, Andrea, she responded and said, a few days before moving out, they had received a letter from the watcher that they thought this note was odd, quote, and made similar mentions of the watcher's family observing the house over time, all of that. But Andrea and her husband had never received anything in the 23 years they lived there. So they thought it was just some bullshit and threw it away. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, because you're like, it's probably some fucking punk ass teen being stupid but you know like being funny that they're leaving like trying to freak him out mm-hmm. so that day after their email exchange the woods family went with maria to the police station and they met up with detective leonard lugo and he told them don't tell anybody about the letters you know none of the new neighbors don't tell any of them and then that was fine because she hadn't met most of them at that point you know because they're only like in and out they're not living there yet And they were also all suspects because they were trying to figure out who the fuck's writing these letters, right? So obviously this puts them on high alert. And Derek actually ended up canceling a work trip that was going to take him like out of town and stuff. And Maria just kept an extra close eye on the kids. And it was said that even if they went around the corner barely out of eyesight, she just called for them right away and told them like, come back or she went like with them type of thing. Like she kept them in her sight 24-7, which like, I don't blame them because some creeps writing me saying they're going to take my children and calling them young blood and all that shit. I ain't letting my kid out of my sight. Fuck that. Mm-mm. Exactly. Then two weeks later, another letter would arrive, this time addressed to them directly, but there was a misspelling with their last name, but still. And it said... Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what's in the walls yet? In time they will. I'm pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. Is she the artist of the family? 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood rules the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. I'd be like, he's fucking living in my basement. Right? Oh my god. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. And the letter even went so far as to identify the kids in birth order by name and nicknames. So Freaked Out doesn't even begin to fucking cover that for me. Just saying. Right. (laughs) So 
Because they couldn't tell the neighbors what was going on, they, you know, they tried to remain social and act like nothing was wrong. So, like, if people talked to them, they were friendly. And this boulevard was described as the type of place that welcomed new neighbors. Like, they would bring cookies, have barbecues, you know, do all kinds of stuff in their little community, you know, things like that. And apparently there was an instance where a neighbor was over visiting and it freaked Eric out because they had said, quote, it's nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood, end quote. Obviously, this is probably a lot of older people or whatever. And it was just like young blood in that sense means just like somebody new. You know what I mean? But I can see how it's triggering, you know? So. Right. Especially if that's what was written. Right. Yeah. And they'd get another letter. It was just goading them saying, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. This was really just very upsetting because this town in this neighborhood was described as so safe, you know, and Maria loved it so much because she had, you know, her family ties there. It was just really tough for them. But the Broadduses, they were worried about their well-being, you know, for themselves and their kids, which valid, you know. So, of course, the police, they're looking into this so they can try to figure out who the hell this creep is. And like I mentioned, the main person on this was Detective Leonard Lugo. They figured out that the letters were postmarked to have ran through the USPS Distribution Center in Kearney, New Jersey, which wasn't too far away. So they figured that the watcher was somebody nearby. And they went the route that it could have been somebody who tried to purchase the home, because that's a first thought, right? Because at this time, the housing market, especially in this area, was very competitive. One person even said their friend lost out on 300 k because of a bidding war. It's like, holy shit, that's a whole house itself almost, Jesus. But the only other two solid candidates candidates wouldn't really be vengeful almost buyers, basically. One backed out due to medical issues, and the other just found a different home they liked better. So, you know. And from there, they decided maybe it's a neighbor not happy with them moving in and doing all of these renos and having all these workers come in, you know, that kind of thing. So their main focus at first was the Langford family. They fit the description. They'd lived in the neighborhood since the 60s, and people had described them as, quote, odd, which, you know, we're all weird. That doesn't fucking mean anything, but whatever. The mom of the family was in her 90s and her adult children, Abby and Michael, were in their 60s and they still lived at the home. That's creepy. Right? So here's the thing with Michael. People either liked him or they were assholes about him, basically. Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. He was said to sometimes scare newcomers to the neighborhood because he did, quote, strange things, which I don't really see them as strange things, but whatever. Well, okay, the first part is not really weird because people fucking do this. The first part was like walking through the yards. Like that happens, you know, whatever, especially if there's no fence. But apparently he'd also walk through their backyard and like peep in the window of the homes that were like being renovated. So I guess if you see someone you don't know creeping around, you're kind of going to be like, what the fuck? You know? Okay. Yeah. I can see how like the backyard <laughs> thing. Yeah. I also grew up in like a rural area. So like that. Oh, if someone did that, they'd probably get shot. <laughs> well, yeah. But like if it's like a reno project that no one's living in, right? Like let's say if no one's in the house, mm-hmm. that makes sense. He's like yeah. peeping in because he can't tell. Right. But if someone's like in the house, it's a whole different story. Oh God. Yeah, that would be. It's very creepy. But, like, basically those who knew him, they said that the odd things he did were mostly just just being neighborly. Like, one person had said, quote, he goes out and gets the newspapers for me every morning, said John Schmidt, who lived next door. 
People who've known Michael for decades told a reporter that they didn't think he was capable of writing the letters. So they were like, there's no way he he wouldn't have done this. Like, you know what I mean? So because they are focusing on this family, police brought him in for questioning. Right. And Detective Lugo said his narrative did match some of the letters, I guess, like his language. But obviously that could just be a coincidence. And there was no actual evidence pointing that it was him at this point. You know, of course, he also denied any participation in this and writing this anything. The police ended up looking like we don't know who this watcher person is and they probably won't do anything to hurt you. So sorry, guys, is what they said to the broadest. <laughs> I'd so be so freaked out. I'd be like, wait, what? No? Okay. Yeah. But at this point, Maria and Derek, they actually started their own investigation. They were like, well, probably doesn't mean we're safe. Just saying. Which, fair. So they dumped a fuck ton of money. One source said that it was close to 100K in efforts to get this solved and figured out who the fuck it was. They had purchased security cameras. They hired a PI. And they even consulted FBI agents, which, I mean, that's not as holy shit as it sounds. Well, it's not as out there as it could be because apparently, like, Derek went to school with one of them and in college or something. So he knew. He had connections. Got it. You know. Got it. But anyways, the FBI agents, they did a risk analysis and agreed with the police basically that like the watcher's not going to do anything to you it's probably just somebody fucking around with you and whatnot and plot twist they had thought that due to the verbiage used in the letters that it was probably a female probably wasn't even you know the other dude at all and they had theorized that it could have been an old worker of the house possibly a maid or something like that but they looked into all of that and nothing so dead end again i'm gonna put like one of those like stop motion cameras in the mailbox mm-hmm. i agree that would have been smart you know because then the person opens it and then they would just like take the pictures yeah 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 you're right you're right you're so smart <laughs> and <laughs> well hindsight <laughs> i know i know right now derek and maria were still convinced that it was the langford family and they sent them a letter saying that they were going to tear down the house to rebuild type of thing to see if like they got a rise out of the watcher but no response which it's like if they are the watcher of course they're not going to respond to this because they know what the fuck you're doing right now just saying right so they're just not smart the watchers are smarter than them yeah now michael would actually be brought in for questioning again which would lead to lawyers being brought into things because abby was literally about to sue everybody for fucking harassment at this point and obviously that caused a lot of tension so other neighbors were eventually looked at as well and there was like one or two registered sex offenders in the area but they weren't the watcher they also checked into a lady who was also a real estate agent because they thought well maybe she was pissed she didn't get the listing and all of that and then they looked into some more neighbors to write behind the house because a painter said that he saw a man who lived there sitting in a lawn chair look towards the house instead of his and it creeped him out but i'm like if you're sitting in front of your house why the fuck are you gonna face your house and also (laughs) if i was sitting out in front of my house and there was construction happening across the way i'd probably watch the construction right my stucco isn't that exciting (laughs) exactly i mean unless we're talking like instead of like facing straight forward like maybe he was like off to the side or like moved his Mm -hmm. chair to like face an angle like i could see where that would creep me out but like right just chilling on my front porch or back porch watching that's not weird right right So a few months into this, the renovations would be complete, but due to their fear and like legit anxiety, like they went and sought therapy. They had to go back to therapy because of how wound up and stuff they were because of all this. They did not move into the house. And of course, guess what? The watcher sent another love letter. So here we go. (laughs) 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It's coming after me. 
I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I'm in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. He or she writes so weird, so I'm like, I can't fucking read. It's fine. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Like I said, they were staying at Maria's parents' house during all of this and kept it quiet. They didn't really want to tell people why they weren't moving into the new home. They were just basically, they were like, oh, we're dealing with legal issues, which, of course, caused the rumor mill to start up. And people thought that meant they were getting divorced. And they're like, no, fuckers, we're not. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So fast forward to that December and they decided they'd try to sell it. With this, they decided to include a disclosure notice to any potential buyers because they didn't want them to go into this blindly like they did. And and they would either get really low ball offers or nothing serious. So it didn't sell. It just sat there. Also, by this point, the story just went viral, as you can imagine, because this is creepy as shit. So to keep their kids safe and whatnot, they decided not to really go out and speak on it. And they left the immediate town there. And then they stayed at like a friend's beach house. So they weren't, you know, right there because media can be assholes. It's like a common theme this last month, I swear to God. (laughs) And once this did start getting media attention, a former detective there in Westfield named Baron Chambliss decided to take a look at this case. And they would finally get a DNA analysis of the envelope. I don't know why they didn't do that the first go around, but whatever. Because that's like your first fucking thought. Right. And they spent $100,000, but didn't think to get the DNA tested on the envelope. That was a shitty PI. I'm sorry. Shitty PI. Sorry. It's them. They the watchers. Probably. They stupid. It had female DNA on it. So, of course, they thought Abby. This was kept close to the chest because, as we know, with, like, any kind of investigations, anything big like this, they're not going to be like, oh, let me put it in the newspaper. Unless it's Scott Peterson. But, you know, it's fine. (laughs) But basically, they ruled the Langford family out. So, I'm assuming they came in and agreed to do DNA tests so these people leave them the fuck alone. Then there was a random suspect that came up. So, one night, Detective Chambliss was surveilling the home. And he said a car came creeping up by... it like stopped. And so they ran the plates and it belonged to this like younger lady, like younger adult. And she had a boyfriend who was super into gaming. And apparently this means you're a crazy person. So apparently I'm crazy. It's fine. I play video games. So nobody at me. This is literally what they said. She was worried it might have been him because it sounded like him or something. And that he played a game called The Watcher. I think it was The Witcher. But she didn't know anything else about it. In my opinion, I think she got it confused with The Witcher. Like I was just trying to correct myself because I know when I originally researched this, I looked up trying to see if there was a Watcher game. And no, there's fucking not. So, you know. And The Witcher isn't even close to that. No, totally fucking different. Actually just started watching the show. So, yeah. (laughs) Thomas gives it like lots of thumbs up. Nice. Yeah. But anyways, they did try to convince him to come in twice and he agreed both times, but then he just didn't show up. He didn't come. So like that fizzled out too. Because he was playing The Witcher. He's like, I'm busy gaming, bitches. Bye. Right. Like, (laughs) I don't fucking know. I gotta go in. I hope that girl became his quick ex-girlfriend. Right? Jesus. So eventually, because of all of these dead ends, people started turning their suspicion to the Broadus family themselves. And there was talks of maybe 
maybe they had buyer's remorse, they couldn't really afford it or something like that. And they were being like really petty betties and they were just like, this family's in debt and trying to scam people. And then they were like more worried about the town's reputation at this point. One of the sources said, some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, the Broadduses had upgraded from a $315,000 house to a $770,000 house to a $1.3 million house and refinanced their mortgages, end quote, which I'm like, chill, Karen, you don't fucking know their life. Plus, he moved up in the company to fucking VP. So, yes, I don't know if anyone knows this about the real estate market, but let's just (laughs) take my in-laws house for a perfect example. Yes. In 1970-something, they bought their house for $86,000. Oh, my God. Right? That's crazy. Yeah. Or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then when, like, if right now the house that's identical, that's like a cross street, like catty corner to them, it sold for $975,000. Because if you go on like Zillow, I think it is, like it'll tell you what they think the house is estimated. Mm -hmm. Theirs is in the high nines, but it's not even taking into the fact that they like have redone the interior with like all upgraded shit. So that's just like if they had kept it like, you know, 70s shit. (laughs) That's how much it would be. Right. It's called inflation. Exactly. Exactly. So you buy a house at $315,000 and you sell it at $500,000. The bank goes, oh, they good people. I'll give them what they can afford. the." Because this is the other thing. To be able to purchase the house, you have to get a loan. Right. Which means you have to qualify for the loan. Right. So the banks don't want to take risks on stupid loans. What year was this again? No. This is around like 2014-ish. Yeah, this is after the fucking bubble. Nobody's giving away like, if this was like 2007, I'd be like, yeah, they give it out stupid ass loans. But like 2014, they ain't giving out stupid ass loans. No, no, no. <laughs> so flash forward now to 2016 and the house was back on the market and the real estate lawyer advised selling the home to a developer. So of course this led people to thinking they were scamming again and trying to get out of it. Yada, yada, yada. And the other dumbass thing, no, just wait, this is stupid too. They were like, the listing price was higher than what they bought it, but they had done so many fucking renovations. It makes sense. It's like they fixed it up. These people are so dumb. Okay, hold on. Hold on, people. So you're saying- How dare you get paid for the work you've done? (laughs) That, and also like, they don't want to live in the house. Yeah. Why not sell it? Exactly. Why should they have to sit and be in a house that they're miserable at? You guys are literally just a town of fuck asses. Like, you don't care Mm -hmm. about anyone else. Exactly. So confused. Mm -hmm. Oh, and apparently it gets worse. So there ended up being a fucking HOA meeting about the lot because the developer wanted to tear it down and make it into two properties. But they denied that because, you know, HOAs are a pain in the fucking dick. So at this time, the house would get rented out. The Broadus' family also didn't think it was right that the Woods didn't disclose the letter or anything. So uh, they decided to sue them. And then guess what happened? Another letter came. So this one was dated February 13th, the day the Broadus' gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woods family. That's interesting timing. And it said, you wonder who the watcher is. Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. 
Is this that Karen that's just being a bitch? This reminds me of the movie Hot Fuzz, where, like, the whole town is in on it. Yes! Oh, my God, I love Hot Fuzz. You know, like, how the whole town is in on the murders? This is, like, the whole, like, neighborhood is in on it. I guarantee you they got together and they were like, we don't want them to live here. Let's figure out how to scare them. That's fucking terrible. God. And the renter I mentioned a minute ago, he was, like, spooked and freaked out, but he agreed, like, to sign a lease if they installed security cameras around the house. Because the letter also indicated that revenge would come in many forms. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Threatening. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Oh, it keeps going. It's not done yet. Loved ones who die suddenly. Planes and cars and bikes crash. Bones break. So that's fun. Karen's turned into a full psycho. I'm sorry. Are you just going to give someone like severe allergies? For the rest of their life? They, these people don't fuck. I don't fucking know, dude. And since then, there was copycat letters who went to other neighbors. But apparently, like, <laughs> Derek is responsible for those because he thought it was, like, one of these neighbors who's like, no, fuck you, I'm gonna fuck with you. His wife didn't know, but, like, anyway... Yeah, so there's no copycat watcher. It was fucking Derek just being fed up and over it at that point. <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah, but honestly, even to this day, the watcher's identity is still unknown. But to <laughs> end on a good note, the house finally did sell in 2019, and they would end up selling it for $959,000. So they took a loss. They took a loss, yes. But it was sold, and the Broadus family does not have to worry about it ever again. <laughs> right, like at that point, you're like, it's worth it. Right, oh my god. So yeah, who do y'all think the watcher is? Let us know. Let us know. Are you on our Karen HOA bandwagon? Because I feel like that's a really good theory. Legit. And I feel like it got planted on that one family and they're just like, fuck you all. We had nothing to do with it. So I feel like it was like an entire (laughs) conspiracy that like that one family decided to be weird. Like, because think about it. Like if everyone in the neighborhood is like that family is weird. Like what if they're completely normal? What if like he's never walked through and peeped in someone's backyard before? What if it's just like they all came together and were like, we don't like these uppity bitches? Because that's what it sounds like. Is that all these people are more obsessed with the fact that they like clawed their way up to their dream home than, oh, I don't know. And then I know, like, when I was reading stuff, too, they were getting pissy because, like, people, when the story was viral, they didn't want to move into that neighborhood. So people, like, couldn't sell houses as what fast and all this other shit. And I'm like, oh, my God. Wah. Get over it. Y'all did it. You cannot convince me otherwise that it's not just the whole neighborhood. (laughs) Oh, my God. But anyways, so that is going to go ahead and wrap this episode up for today. We hope you all enjoyed. And we will see you back on Monday. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.